0: Thanks for joining us here on the show and the Big Sky Boneheads podcast. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe to this thing wherever you find it. My name is Michael Gray. His name is Scott Hershey. And unlike weeks previous, uh, we're welcoming no one to the show. There's no 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 guests this week. It's just the two of us. I'll welcome you. You welcome me. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want right. to. I feel okay. like uh, we're already here. We can get past the pleasantries, right? Yeah. All right. Welcome! Uh, <laughs> at any rate... Uh, no, it's the two of us and talking about maybe the most important thing this time of year as we record this in the middle of August. Uh, you know, we're we're leaning towards September. And in Montana, that means one of two things. Uh, it's Grizz and Cat football and hunting. Yeah. That's it. Partial credit to back to school. Uh, uh, my brain just flips this time of year. Those are the two things. Yes. That's it. And that's about all I've got the bandwidth for, which comes in handy. <laughs> uh, we were trying to think about a show with without a guest and, um, you know, something I know a little bit less about than grilling and uh, substantially more about than Eastern European geography. Yeah. And we landed on hunting. It's just something we do. We're
1: not experts. This is yes. not a uh, this is not a expert hunting show with tips and uh, <laughs> and all that stuff that you normally get on hunting TV
0: or hunting podcasts. That's that's not what we're doing here. We're just average hunters. Well, and here's the spoiler alert for a lot of the people that are like tune in for uh, pro tips. Well, the pro tip is have uh, ten grand in your pocket and hire a outfitter. All right, and then and then they will take you out and go there. They are. Shoot the one on the left. That's what the hunting shows are. Yeah, exactly. I've seen them. Yes. I know where they hunt in Montana. There's always a a shot from the lodge where someone's making the biggest skillet of bacon you've (laughs) ever seen in your life. Right. And uh, that is not how it goes for the rank and file hunters in Montana. If you're listening to this from out of state, you're about to get a crash course in resident Montana hunting. Yep. And all of it's frustration because unlike the hunting shows, which... Edited for commercials are about twenty-two minutes and they start with some breathless anticipation and a truck on the highway, and then there's some stomp, 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 first person walking, and then there's a herd, and then there's a shot, and then there's the you know grip and grin, and everybody's happy. Um you know, most people in Montana are out there like us. They're hunting on the weekends, they're hunting in their afternoons after work, they're hunting in the morning before they can go to the office. Right. They're trying to squeeze in every chance they get in a generous Hunting season And Montana has um, all the
1: things that they talk about on the hunting shows. We've got ample uh, access to uh, public land that actually has animals on it. It's got uh, a diversity of hunting yes. from uh, eastern mule deer hunting all the way to uh, hunting elk, uh, bighorn sheep, uh, goats, uh, whatever you have in this state it, that you've seen on TV. It's ex- we do have all that. It's just that most people... Do it differently than what you will see on TV. And you might be watching those shows and going, that's awesome to watch, but it's a TV show. What's what's real hunters doing in the state of Montana? And that's what you and I do and what most of the people listening are going to do.
0: And I will tell you that it doesn't make for great TV often. (laughs) <laughs> what did you do? I walked for 15 miles. Every part of my body hurts, and I wish I'd never gotten out of bed. Yeah, and seen. Uh, that's it. First and foremost, with the hunting in Montana, um, and it's something we're battling right now is weather. You you can either have you can have wa- weather that's too nice, uh, which is what we're currently dealing with. Uh, it's summertime. We got temps in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Predictions from mid 80s by September, maybe because on September mid-80s. September 3rd, yeah, you can't. You shoot, you shoot an elk when it's eighty five. That thing will be medium well by the time you get it out of the uh, right off the mountain and out and tra- packed out to your place. So, you know the the weather is first and foremost, and, and it has
1: to be part of your preparation right now because if it's too hot, uh, I don't know if it's responsible for some people, including myself, to go elk hunting on opening day because if God forbid I shoot an elk. Um, My plan for getting it out is going to take some time. And if you end up shooting an animal and uh, harvesting that animal, and and then you can't harvest the meat, you can't get it out in time, and it spoils. Just a waste. It's a waste. And, and, you know, that has to be part of the responsibility of hunting. And this year with the temperatures where they are, it is absolutely on my my mind about when I can actually go out.
0: It's a really great day for anybody that has a walk-in freezer. Uh, (laughs) If you you can squeeze a large animal through uh through a massive cooler you take one of those uh reefer refrigerated trucks out and that's your that's your hunting vehicle (laughs) right pandemic's over right (laughs) can we pack them with a different kind of body now morbid but you know like can we just put a refrigerator truck at the trailhead are they busy good idea um you you could make a fortune can you you imagine uh so yeah there's there's that going on and then of course towards the end of the season guess what uh we have people that go out and get themselves in jams all the time because the weather now is the opposite of too nice it's too gnarly It's cold. There's snow coming over the top of the mountain and you can get yourself in trouble that way. So that's, I think that's the first one are those considerations as it stands now. I mean, for me personally, uh, I'm looking at bow season starting and knowing full well that maybe some early morning hunts. Right. Maybe, but if you haven't cleared anything out, then you're not going to get you're not going to get the kind of temperatures that you necessarily could be responsible with until after dark, and then it's illegal.
1: And as as I said, it's part of the preparation. Right now, uh, all the hunters uh, who are planning on hunting archery season should be preparing. And, you know, first and foremost, you think, oh, I need need to shoot. Yeah. I'm going to shoot a lot. But you also need to be prepared with uh, a few things. If you've... If you if you get an elk down, what are you going to do? How are you going to process it? How are you going to get it out? Are you going to, you know, cut it up in little pieces? Which is probably what most people are going to do. They're at least going to quarter it at the very least, and and get it out that way. Um, and you're going to need help. Uh, and archery is usually. If not a solo activity, it's usually maybe two hunters, maybe three in a camp, something like that. But this is something that's got to be on your mind. But uh, it's just part of the preparation right now, and preparing is what we're all doing.
0: And that is, uh, you know, brings me kind of to the second point of this, which is the learning curve. Of any hunter in Montana, Um, you know, and and the greater cultural aspects of this thing that start when people are very young, if you're born and raised here, if you're a kid in Montana, it can become second nature. But if you're a transplant, Mm -hmm. if you're in from out of state and you're, if you're not doing an outfitter hunt and you're in from out of state, there's this huge learning curve. And then when you're new to the thing, uh, you know, I, I don't know, this is my sixth, I think my sixth hunting season. Uh, I talked to a buddy just the other day who's getting ready for a deer season already in the Midwest And he was describing to me the exact same thing that my dad described to me when I was 14. Because deer hunting is, go out into this section of woods, sit down, wait for deer, and pray. And that's (laughs) that's deer hunting. You get two weeks to do it. That's it. You're in your tree stand. You're in your blind. End of list. And that's all there is. Uh, You're never far from houses because there just aren't places that are in a lot of the Midwest. Out here, there's a lot of different kinds of terrain. There's a ton of different kinds of quarry. I mean, you mm-hmm. already talk about goats, sheep, bears, moose, elk, deer, wolves, coyotes, like all of the things that you can you could reasonably go out hunting for antelope. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of those things require something different. They require a different skill set and they require a different knowledge base. You gotta know. What you're doing it makes the learning curve really steep, especially at first.
1: Well, and as you said, you're in your sixth season, and I remember when you uh, when you started, and it's all very overwhelming for a number of reasons. Oh boy, uh, the the amount of land and access being first and foremost. Where do I start? I mean, it's a gigantic state. Even in an area where we live, uh, just around here, close. You can go in any direction, right? Literally, you could go in any direction, and you wouldn't have to go far before you run into public elk hunting, uh, or public deer hunting, or what. I mean, it's it's that much access. So what ends up happening is you get, you'll end up in some way, usually through the help of somebody else, finding a spot and or a spot or two or spotter 3 but but it's usually just a handful of them and then you end up concentrating on those spots and then you end up getting to, uh, to know those spots year after year and that's kind of what happens even in a great big state like Montana you don't just throw a dart every year you you have to learn these small little areas and that's kind of what makes it fun because you find your your little area and then you learn it
0: and then the layer of complexity added onto that is once you do learn it and if you have a a region of the state or a county or a particular piece of national forest, like whatever it is that you have found that you like the minute you get to know it a little bit to where you have any confidence, FWP changes the regulations there, <laughs> and what you were doing is no longer any good, because I had right. a honey hole. All right. I had the greatest day of hunting I've ever had in the place where I was. I dropped two elk side by side, same day, within seconds of one another, tagged out completely and legally for the year. I was like, well, there it is, folks. I'm done going home. And the very next year, they're like, yeah, no, you can't do that anymore there. <laughs> I, man, and I, it took me four years to crack the code on this relatively tiny piece of land, but I had learned it. And it was, it was not an easy place to get to, which is the other thing you have to decide in terms of, going going back to the learning curve, how, how much work do you want to put in? Mm-hmm. You know, the place that I found back the, all those years ago was a 75 minute fast fast hike like you had to keep on the balls of your feet you were moving mm-hmm. uh to get to this spot and then get up and there's a ridge and i gotta be here and it's got all gotta happen in the dark um and it's grizzly habitat right and you've got all those things going for you and some people just don't want to they don't want any of that mess they don't well, want to deal with that trouble there's two there's a difference because
1: you talked about the a little bit about the you know how much diversity there is in the game animals and you got to hunt them differently and something that uh, that is different between deer and elk in the state of montana if you're hunting for elk um, you need to plan on putting in mileage. You right. have to. You you're, you're going to have to. You know, and it's and it's a lot of it's uh, because to get away from the pressure of the roads and then the hunters around them, but it's also mostly because the elk are going to move and the elk are going to find these areas where once hunting season starts, no one is going into. Uh, deer hunting's a little bit different in the fact like where I hunt in, in eastern Montana, all you have to do is get a mile off the road. And there's no one there. Right. I hunt in an area where there are vehicles up and down the road all the time. Uh, there are campgrounds full of trucks and hunters and, and, and campers and tents and all manners of life. And uh, then when you get a mile off of the road on foot no one is home <laughs> right there's that's how you do it because if you, a lot of those hunters are driving up and down the roads. now with elk hunting it's a little bit different a lot of people are willing to put in the the hiking and uh if you're talking national forest you're gonna have to go in after them a ways and and that's another part of the preparation of getting those animals out and why it's such a consideration with with that particular game
0: animal elk are big yeah, and they're a long way from the road. Well, and that was a that's sobering. Um, I've filled four elk tags in the time that I've been here, and the first one, you just don't know until you know. You walk up, and here's this animal. And you're like. Oh, God, what do I do with this? <laughs> yeah. I had, I and, and I was hunting with a guy who was born and raised, and he laughed, and he laughed, and he laughed, because I threw my pack down, and I have this little rope that's tied with a slipknot-style thing for, mm-hmm. you slip it around a deer, and you can haul it, you just throw it over your shoulder, and you just pull the deer wherever you need to pull the deer, because mm-hmm. it's a stupid deer. And uh, he let me try to climb up in the bed of my truck and pull <laughs> elk into the truck with a rope that was three feet long with no pulley system no block and tackle and I gave it one really hard tug my feet shot out from under me because I was standing in the snow and my butt hit the bottom of that truck really hard and he said do you want to listen to me now we're going to do this a different way I was like I'm all ears that thing's huge Um,
1: I hunted elk with a guy one time this is an actual conversation we had. We we're walking in. There were elk in the area. And I knew there were elk in the area. We had ran into them, and I thought there was a decent chance we might get something that day. And I looked at him as we're going in, in the dark. Two guys on foot, walking in, and I said, uh, if, "If we if we get one down, what's the plan for getting this thing out?" And he said to me, "I think we can get it out in one piece." And this is through deadfall. Much as much of elk country is all deadfall. It's just trees laying all over the ground. Right. And, uh, and also a big, like, the, the, the slope we were on was pretty steep. And he said, I think we can get it out in one piece. And I looked at him and I said, what? <laughs> and he said to me, and I will quote, I'm a pretty big fella, Scott and i went oh geez we are in big trouble today (laughs) there's no way we would have got it out
0: and that is a great subset of you know the conversation about the learning curve and i think this is probably this is something for all hunters but especially here in montana where the habitat and the game range so wildly you can hunt predators all the way to the, the smallest prey you can you can hunt mountain critters all the way to prairie critters um the people you're getting your advice from and the people that you're sharing your hunt with are incredibly important because unlike the Midwest, and I've hunted every, I've lived in four states, I've hunted them all. Mm -hmm. I've hunted Washington, Nebraska, Michigan, Montana. And Montana is the one place, Washington, partial credit to Washington, uh, but Montana is the one place where there are legitimate survival elements to your hunt. You have to know where in the hell you are. You've got to have something to help you Find your way. If, yep. if Onyx isn't on your phone as you leave, you're making a mistake. You know, if you don't have a Garmin, if you don't have GPS, if you don't have an otherworldly Daniel Boone-like sense of direction to get you back to the truck, it can get dark. A storm can blow in. Mm-hmm. Things can get incredibly—you can get attacked. Uh, there are plenty of people— Uh, you see on television, got attacked by a bear, and they're three miles, four miles out from where their vehicle is parked, which is 50 miles from no place in particular, and you've got to do all of that while bleeding. So, the people that you share your hunt with becomes incredibly important, because your survival may rest on the decision they make, and I've had a couple of experiences where, like, I don't think I need to be in the woods with this guy. Right. Uh, This this is not a good idea. I'm going to and it makes it completely takes away from the experience because now all you're thinking about is okay. We I just need to get through the day. I'm already here, so I'm pot committed to this, and I need to get back to the truck. And then when I go back to the truck, I'm gonna ghost this person and just we're not doing this again.
1: Yeah, and those survivability things are only part of the uh, uh, of the kind of the the check marks that you have to go through to to hunt with somebody more than one time. And I think that there's a, there's a lot to that compatibility thing, the way people hunt. Um, Some, some people's idea of hunting is different than other people's idea of hunting. You know, and and it might have to do with the, the, again, walking a certain distance. I hunted with a guy one time, great hunter, kills a lot of animals. He hunts. uh, He is in shape. (laughs) He, he can, put some mountains between him and the road real fast and he was looking back at me and i'm back there going i'm gonna i'm gonna be a minute here as i gasp for air because i mean just fitness wise i was keeping him back and those type of things along with uh safety factors and you know crossing a fence yeah people cross fence differently i'm I'm sorry there's a way you should do it and and i'm i'm one of the most safe people when it comes to hunting uh, where your muzzles pointed all you have to do is make one mistake and i won't hunt with you again like that oh, yeah. that pointing the gun in the wrong direction by accident or any i'm out i just can't you know obviously that's a mistake that can't be made but you you run across those people from time but to time people make
0: it every year oh absolutely and, and, and people die every year because of that one mistake i i say this with some shame uh part of this hunting season was informed by one of my last experiences last year where uh, much like your guy there I went hunting with a guy who is a professional mountain bike rider and an ultramarathoner and he kicked my ass <laughs> right all over the mountain for two days. and I realized that I had let myself go. I was probably 10 15 pounds heavier than I needed to be and and throughout the course of this summer, I've changed some things. I still can't keep up he's 10 years younger as well, so that's important. but I mean it was it was something to be trudging through this stuff, look up and he's 300 yards ahead of me and just moving. Yeah. Without a care. And then when I did catch up to him, I was the only one drenched in sweat, and out of breath in the cold. <laughs> yeah. Because I had, I had managed to work myself up like that. So all of those things go into, you know, all of those things go into those decisions and, you know, who you hunt with may be a matter of a family tradition. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're a local and you're coming up, that's great. I hope to, my my son isn't, you know, express some interest. I hope to get him out on a youth hunt this year. Yeah. Um, you know, My daughter did the hunter safety thing. She went out with me once. We talked about killing an animal, and she was like, I'm going to pass. Uh, you can mm-hmm. do it. I'll eat them. I have no problem with that, but I don't think I could pull the trigger because I don't want to kill something. I'm like, okay, well, that makes one of us. I'll leave it home. <laughs> right. uh, my son, on the other hand, bloodthirsty. <laughs> uh, I don't take my eye off him when the BB gun is available because I'll have a pile of dead birds like I've suddenly gotten uh, a bunch of barn cats in my place well he'll Um, enjoy it and you'll enjoy it i hope so i hope so and i hope to be able to do you know some of this i hope to be able to take some of the some of the edge off the learning curve for him because if i just started in montana when i was 11 that'd have been a lot better i did Um, start in montana when i was and back then you couldn't hunt before
1: the age of 12 you had to take hunter safety right uh and and i get to go out with my dad a few times uh, before I could carry a gun, yeah, and and uh, that was exciting stuff. My dad never killed an elk either, so we never saw elk back then. There were a lot less elk in the state back then. It was a, lo- a lot different and a lot uh, a lot uh, a lot tougher for the type of elk hunting I grew up with. It's much, I think, just think the animals are healthier now, and plus, my dad was a terrible hunter so <laughs> <laughs> his idea of hunting was elk was walking through the thickest trees possible right? all the time and uh, you don't see a lot of animals in those and it's really really tough to do it that way uh but uh, we didn't have but but i did grow up in you know that first deer i remember it uh I, sure. you know my dad i'm sure remembers mine i remember my son's first deer so uh th- that that kind of process and that cycle is one of the things that is just fantastic about about the state not only here but everywhere about the hunting
0: well and I, I took my son with me once uh last year he just kind of was a tag along and i learned uh exactly the same thing that my dad learned about me when he took me as a tag along uh you walk too goddamn loud and (laughs) why are you breathing so hard your boots are always too big or your feet are too big like what why is it why are you stomping you got to be quiet every deer in the county is going to hear you i was hearing those voices in my head and then turning around to my kid and going walk louder (laughs) all right i'm pretty sure there's an elk in idaho that doesn't know we're here
1: yet yep uh and so <laughs> i went on a deer hunt with my uh, my youngest son and uh, he shot a two-point deer immediately like top the first hill it was standing right there it was so easy and lucky for him it was awesome and then we hunted for another two days and i knew he was just too noisy for me to see a, a good buck and and we were and so if the final day we only had one afternoon and we're done. We got to head home. And I told him I said, "Hey, you know, um I'm going to walk this ridge and why don't you hang in the truck this time?" And of course, I ran into a nice buck and shot one, <laughs> knowing full well that the only reason I wanted
0: him to stay in the truck is because right. he was so noisy. Right. And so you make that decision. It goes back to some of the those cultural issues like if you're bringing out a young kid, you got to have young kid stuff and you got to have young kid patience. But I think it pays off. Oh, you yeah. know, you bring the jet boil and you bring some hot chocolate and you sit on a ridge top and you kind of talk about some of the stuff you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the times I was out with my son last year, we had a herd of uh, free range cattle come in, which is another thing in Montana. If you're from here, you know this. If you're not, maybe you don't, that cows will just infiltrate wherever you are. And yep. you just, all of a sudden you're like, ooh, is that a bear? Oh, it's not a bear. It's a stupid cat. Mm-hmm. And then there's 40 of them and you realize you're busted out of your hunting spot. And and I for, you know, you don't realize until you realize my son at the time is 10. He's like, well, can we shoot a cow? I like, I like, I like cow. Like, no, you can't. That's not a thing you can do. A rancher's gonna be real mad if you shoot his cow. Uh, that's not why we're here. He's like, all right. Well, I was just checking. I thought, you know, I, I think I it's like important hamburgers.
1: for the kids to learn the other things around hunting. Yeah, it absolutely is. However, I do also know kids who have just had so much dumb luck immediately. That it's like, oh, we were going to go out and shoot a deer, and then uh, we ran into a bull elk, so I shot that. And and just year after year, right. I have a friend of mine's daughter who just, every time she goes out, she has success, and she shot some big animals, and it drives me crazy. Like, that kid does not know right, what I go through, and maybe she never will. Good for her. Uh, <laughs> but I talked to another kid, and and I was, uh, we were on a softball trip, and we saw some elk in the field, and I said, oh, look at the elk. And she, out of nowhere, goes, well, I shot an elk one time. I went, you did? Get and out. she said, yeah. She goes, the kind with the horns. It's like, oh, jeez.
0: Stop the car, open the door. You're walking home. Exactly. Now, and that was, you know what? After years of, uh, you know, growing up with Midwest deer hunting and things and having very little luck and a ton of pressure and very few animals, and uh, especially since the wolves have been introduced to the Great Lakes region, there's even fewer animals. Um, my first solo hunt, the first time I went out just by myself, It was my first regular elk opening morning. I went out in the dark. To a spot and I'd never hunted this spot, but I talked to a guy that I know, and he's like, Well, you know that one spot where there's the gate, and then you go up the thing. He's like, You know what? I, I just give it a try. For your first try, it's not a bad walk. You know the surrounding area, you're not gonna get lost. You know, you know which direction to walk to get back to the road if you get turned around. And I'm like, Okay, yeah, no, all that's fair. And I walked up a ridge five hundred yards and I heard an elk bugle and I hid in a tree, and the sun came up, and there he was, and I shot him and he was dead. And Within 45 minutes of my first sunrise on opening morning, I had a bull elk down, and he texted me. He's like, how's things going? I sent him a picture, (laughs) and I can't repeat what he said, not even on a podcast, because he's like, I hate your bleeping guts, and I don't know how you did that, and I'll let my boss know and come help you get that stupid thing off the ridgetop. I can't believe you shot a bull elk on your first solo
1: hunt. I think you appreciated how... uh... How lucky that was! I think I don't think it was past you. I don't think well, you thought that's the way it happens every time.
0: No, it's not the way it ever happens ever. Right. And certainly not in my life. Um, <laughs> you know, I had as many I had as many bull elk in my credit to my credit as I had whitetail bucks, <laughs> and I grew up in the Midwest. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was one of those things where it happened, and it hasn't happened since. Mm-hmm. I've been I've seen bull elk in places I can't shoot them. And, and I've, you know, and I've been close at times when I could and couldn't close the deal and something goes wrong. The wind turns around. You know, there've been lots of other, other instances where, you know, just luck wasn't on your side. And, and you realize you talk to enough guys that are hardened, grizzled, Montana born and raised. They'll mm-hmm. tell you like they're 17th generation. Granddad was dropped off by a pterodactyl. Been here my whole life. Have never shot a bull out. Mm-hmm. I'm one of them. And and you realize, like, okay, this is – and it's not for lack of trying, and it's not for lack of knowledge, and it's not for lack of opportunities. Um, It's just, like, everything has to align for that to go well. I can count the number of uh, bull elk that I have seen
1: within rifle range uh, during hunting season on one hand. And (laughs) – with fingers left over right it's not as easy as uh as uh, the the hunting shows make it sound no it can be really really easy and lucky for you if if you're fortunate in that way um but it's uh it's it's also something that can be extremely frustrating uh and, and you can have you know an entire lifetime of hunting like i have with elk and just not not put it together last year i had a bull elk walk in six minutes after i sat down at Twenty-two yards, and put an arrow in him, and never recovered the animal, and 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 I still feel badly about it today. I did everything I could possibly do, tracked it all day, took six people out there looking for it, didn't find a hair, didn't find blood, didn't find the arrow. It's just one of those things. It is, you know, and if you think that that's a horrible thing that I did, or that that that's unusual, I have talked to hunters that you and I both know, yeah, who have had similar experiences where. Everything comes together, and then it just, for some reason, something like happened to me. I, I can't tell you how many people have said that to me, like, oh, I did the same thing. Like, it, it's, un, you know, it, with archery hunting uh, for an animal that large, um, that's that's a reality. And like I said, I fully expect that that bull survived because I've been out to that area many times. And, and, and it's just, you know, that's my, my one real chance in, in uh, hunting since I was 12 years old. My one real chance at a bull elk. Uh, after all these years. So forty years. <laughs> forty! Right, right. With a four. Uh but that's a, it's a tough sport. You know, it's a tough activity. It is a it is a but if you know, I didn't love it, I wouldn't be out there anymore. And that's what you gotta do. You gotta love the the act you got to love what you're doing, not just the expectations of, of uh, harvesting an animal.
0: Well, and it, it extends to you know people that have. Uh, it, it was just last year a guy that I hunt with that has shot a pile of deer over the years. Has all the killer gear, including first person cameras, recorded himself putting a lethal shot on a whitetail buck. Shot that thing dead in the chest, mm. and you can see it in HD. It wasn't like a grainy bank lobby video. It was perfect, and you hear whack, and you see the arrow chunk. Never found the deer. Oh, I'm like, come on! That thing shouldn't have gone thirty feet. It makes you sick too. It and absolutely it, makes you sick. It just and and looked for it, looked for it again the next day, looked for it again later that week. Look and and there is the video. There's the the video footage. You're like, no, that's a brilliant shot. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. You couldn't ask for anything better. If I, if I was him, sans video, I'd have been up, you know, in my tree stand going, oh, having a little party, do a little TikTok dance, you know, maybe the maybe the sprinkler. I don't know. And then I would have come down 45 minutes later, found the blood trail. You expect to go find the deer. Right. Meanwhile, I shot a, a buck. Uh, a, a, well, in the Midwest, there are nine-pointers. Here, there'd be a five-by-four. Uh, and blasted through. It, it jumped my arrow at about 50 yards, and I put it through that deer diagonally. Mm-hmm arrow came out straight the other side deer was dead 40 yards from where i was it yeah. was nowhere near the kind of shot that he put on his and mine was dead where it stood yeah uh, so. and, and you know you, you know
1: what happens when that ha- you consider because you know and, and a lot of people this is a problem you know the the kind of the uh, the perception with some people about archery hunting is it's not lethal enough there's not enough quick enough kill right you know, too many wounded animals when you do that when it does happen. You feel so bad and and so sick about it. I I threw my at one point I threw my bow down. And I was done. I'm like I'm not doing this anymore. And I I had my my hunting friends go. You know, this happens. You know, you did everything right. right everything. You know, because because it literally was like the 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 hunting shows at 22 yards. This bull came down after I was sitting there for five minutes, and it could not have been more picture perfect. And then, you know, it doesn't end that way. Right. And so, we as hunters take that responsibility so seriously that it it keeps you up at night i mean it really does if you're the kind of hunter who, who you should be and and you actually consider the life of that animal and you consider what you've just done it, it is a really serious serious thing i didn't take i still i still if i get started thinking about what happened last year on opening day it will absolutely keep me up at night I will have trouble sleeping. I will have, it becomes, you know, you're infatuated with it and that. And so I had to move forward. My friends encouraged me. Like, and so that is now translated into this year, me shooting more than I've ever shot before to make sure that it's a good shot.
0: Well, and that's the other thing going in, you know, back to your your preparation and the idea that, you know, you want to lessen the learning curve and get yourself ready. And this isn't just in Montana, but I think it's, it's more important here because there are different things you can go for. There aren't a lot of places in the country outside of the Rocky Mountain West where you can bow hunt an animal the size of an elk. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, shooting a deer, I can put an arrow through a deer with my bow. That new Matthews, I, I could probably shoot one in the throat and it would come out its butt. And that, <laughs> I mean, that thing is chucking arrows fast. Right. But an elk is a different. animal. you're talking about something that weighs eight hundred pounds and can eat a bullet. I mean I've I've hit four of them with a with 30-06 and a 300 short mag and I've never found an exit wound mm. ever. They just eat that bullet going, you know, 3000 feet per second. They're tough. I mean they're not just big amazingly but Amazingly resilient. Yep. Um and we'll walk away from wounds that later turn fatal, but at the time they're just like, All right, well, I'm going to go over here. That kind of stings." And so, you know, that, that part of it, shooting every day as we get closer and closer to bow season, I know it's something that, you know, real bow hunters don't need this speech, but you know, that time and practice to get to the proximity that you have to get to, to mm-hmm. have a legitimate shot at an animal, any game animal with a bow, and then to make sure that when you hit that release, that arrow is going to fly true is a responsibility that if you don't take it seriously, you're probably gonna miss entirely, and that's good news. Right. Um and and if you don't take it seriously, you don't belong out there. And learn from the
1: mistake. You know, that's what I'm trying to do is like learn what did I do wrong? What did I not do perfectly? And so um, one of them is I'm I'm gonna be, you know, more accurate than I've ever been. I'm gonna shoot at ranges that I'm confident at. I've always I've always done that. But also, you know, and that goes with elk hunting overall. Um you're gonna have a lot, you know, having close encounters with elk you uh, and I mean, close encounters by it doesn't happen, right? <laughs> it just, and learning from, uh, from what happened and going back and reevaluating. you're going to learn something almost every time. Uh, and I've gotten better at taking those and translating those. One of those is all with, without calling, you know, you know how it is now. You're started to do some of that. Right. I've been doing, uh, I've been, you know, and everybody starts out and you, you buy it. First thing you do is you buy a bugle, some sort. Well, it doesn't matter what kind it is. You really want to blow it. Like you practice what you really want. You want to get out there and you want to blow that bugle, and uh, it leads to overcalling in most cases, especially when an elk answers back. <laughs> That's the curse, right? Like you blow the, the bugle if an actual real bull elk responds, it will lead you to overcalling in most cases. And so, w- learning from the mistakes about communicating with elk and how to get close to them, I've I've wa- and that is something you actually can learn from watching some of the shows. Some of them, not all of them. Um, but I have, I've learned more about that than, than I – and it, it has basically led to me calling less and going out and doing a lot more cow calling and locating and then trying to do the least amount of calling because your calling is, is going to be – you're not an elk. You're never going to sound exactly like an elk to an elk, and as they close the distance, they're going to figure that out if you do too much. And, and I think that's part of the fun of it as well. And, then, again, that goes back to learning from mistakes you've made, and, uh, and I'm – Kind of taking, taking a little little better
0: uh, better stock of what has happened and then using that in the future. You don't want to end up sounding like the elk equivalent of an eighth-grade boy to dance. Like,
1: <laughs> hi, you want to dance with me? The funny thing um, is I've heard real elk that do that, <laughs> and I don't know how they get away with it.
0: <laughs> well, and that brings up another point, another point, and this is something that uh, isn't, you again, not unique to Montana, but magnified when you're talking again, talk about the weather and the potential for spoilage and your plan to get the animal out, is, you know— if gun to your head, do you hunt trophies for the rest of your life or meat? Oh, meat. Because I'm the same. I'm the same way. Yeah. Um, which is why I, with the you know, and this will run afoul of the uh, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation folks uh, and all the, the purists out there. Um, if you told me that I could only shoot cow elk for the rest of my life, um, fine. That's hundred percent. Right. Okay. It's hundred percent okay with no, me. They'd be fine. They fill the freezer. They're delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're nutritious. I take great pride in the fact that my kids eat meat that was that was harvested through the hunting season, as opposed to things that came from uh, giant factory farms in Iowa. Uh, I would rather I would rather fill the freezer with that protein if I can, and that's way more important to me. And that's something I've tried to impart to my kids: is that you know the the horns on the wall look cool. And if you can do both, you can do both sure uh, you know that that bull elk I shot opening day ate every piece except the face because the face <laughs> is on the wall yeah but that was that was not something that I had planned
1: that's kind of something you learn on your own and you create on your own that's one of the uh, kind of the individualisms of, of hunting is um, what your theory on that is and and it depends on where you hunt uh, and and you know in your own personal theory like for instance as an example when I'm hunting eastern montana and and for deer, there's a lot of deer. And there's a good amount of bucks. So you're going to look over some bucks. You're going to look over legal deer all the time. You're not going to have a shortage in most years of seeing or finding a buck. But what you have, say you've got a three-day hunt, your first afternoon might be different than your last. Or it might be the same. Uh, my brother for years has gone down there and said he wanted to only shoot a mature uh, 4 by 4 with brow tines. Like that's what he's been looking for down right. there. And, that's, and those are, you know... You can find him, but uh, he's gonna work a little harder. My theory is I go, it's a long ways for me to travel. The first day or two, I'll be like, "I want a good buck." And the last day I will shoot a two point if it crosses the road in front of me. Like I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take something out of here. Sorry, Bambi, you got to die. <laughs> exactly. So it it, uh, it it's meat overall. But uh, if there's gonna be a bunch of animals running around, I want to look over a few. Plus, I like the experience, you know, and that's part of the deal over there. Is the hunt over there is so much fun that I would hate to cut my hunt short by by killing a buck the first afternoon. So it kind of changes as it goes. Now with an elk the first legal elk will always be down every single time I have a chance. It just and that 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 wouldn't change if I shot a trophy bull this year. It wouldn't change if I shot five cows in a row. Right. It's not going to change. That's just the way I will always hunt elk. It's it's a part of me growing up and not having a lot of su- success with
0: it. Well, and that brings uh, brings us along to the next point and I bring this up because according to uh fancy analytics, about 10% of the the audience for this uh Show uh, resides in California, which I think is interesting because <laughs> we've been been tough on you folks, and uh, about nine percent from Washington, and you know that leads us to the out of state hunters, mm-hmm. the guys that are coming in who were lucky enough to uh, be a part of the out of state draw and want to come in, and you know I'm of a couple of minds on this. There's no like I get it. I mean, when you when you're here and as a hunter as an outdoorsman, you watch the shows, whether it's whether it's Ranella or Remy Warren. Or you know whoever it is, there's always some there's always some Montana feel to it. They have mm-hmm. an episode, if not an entire series, that's based here. And then you get here and you're like, oh shit, that's all real. Mm-hmm. Like this is a real place full of these real things. Wow, this is a this is a dream. It's like you know it's not that different than Alaska, which is another place. I haven't hunted there, but I fished it quite a bit. And you go and you just like, I can't believe I'm here. <laughs> this <laughs> right. is crazy. Um, and a couple of things that you got to know. Um, when the, when you see those Washington plates at the trailhead, everybody here hates your guts. Everybody here is already mad. Um, you know, and I say this, my dad said this to me, my dad was bigger, a bigger guy than I was. He was six foot five. And I remember him telling me when I was eight years old, uh, long before I could appreciate it, he goes, look, you're going to probably be a bigger guy than most. Open the door for people. All people. Be the first guy to step out of the way in a hallway. They're going to want to not like you. Go out of your way to be gracious. Humility goes a long way, uh, a long
1: ways. Yeah. Um, listening but, instead of talking goes a long way. boy, oh boy. and and asking people, you know, hey, you know they, I noticed you you probably know I'm new here or i'm I'm here on an out of stater. you know right. what can i what can I do to to do things the way you do it? Uh, how do i how do I do this? what what are you know, like I said, what do the locals do? And you can de- disarm a lot of that. Uh, part of the Eastern Montana hunting thing is there is a ton of Wisconsin hunters over there, and I don't know right. what it is about uh, Eastern Montana and Wisconsin deer hunters, but every motel every every place you see a camp, Wisconsin hunters are everywhere over there and even though montana uh, is very much bristling against out of staters in a lot of ways these days, they're just for granted over there sure they've they've become and they're in, and for the, everybody I've met have been super nice, and they've been nothing but uh, positive about praising the state of Montana,
0: right? And that's uh, that's the best advice that I have uh, in that regard is you might be, and I, I know of I know of one guy in particular I've hunted with him, and he's he's a professional. Like he, this is what he does. He's an outdoorsman by trade. He might be the best, most instinctive hunter that I've ever seen, um, and you'll never hear him say that. Mm-hmm. He's and he could. He could come into Montana. He's not from here. He could come to Montana and he could teach us how to hunt these mountains. Sight unseen. Walk out, blindfold him, drive him to a trailhead, have him look around at the topography and the habitat, and he go, the right. elk are up there. He's an excellent, amazingly good hunter. And I've never once seen him engage anybody as anything other than a hat in hand. How you doing? How's right. everything going? What's working for you? You know, all of those things um and this guy is an absolute savage of a hunter he's a monster out there um and uh hi rob if you're listening those guys but, exist i know that yeah They and and again you know it's like but but now all, all these years down the road again learning curve if he were coming out this season i would tell him let's take my truck <laughs> yeah exactly i've got montana plates let's let's just take my truck let's just avoid because it happened to me once I hunted with him some years ago here and we ran into another guy and the other guy was like well you guys uh, safe travels so, and he said it like four times and it was very pointed he was like <laughs> right yeah get out of here <laughs> And and I found myself going hey from here well uh, I live here uh, but we, we
1: don't have a corner market on that because I no. lived in Colorado for three years, and they do the same thing for Texas hunters. They can't stand the Texas hunters, right? And one of the things about Colorado, which is unique, is you can drive to Colorado as a non-resident. You can walk up to a sporting goods store counter, and you can buy a non-resident elk tag. Buy a tag, and that's what elk hunters from texas do in colorado and they come by the dozen right and what they do is when they show up they've got two trucks with two flatbeds loaded with four-wheelers on the back and texas plates and it drives those locals nuts down there and uh, that's the perception and that's where the issue lies so montana being kind of uh, uh not so much laying out the welcome mat for out-of-staters not anymore is, uh, is not necessarily just a montana thing
0: no and that as you know as people have bristled nationwide and we become more polarized on all issues uh you know it's spilled over here it's changed over the years um it's a lot less welcoming than than it used to be and so i say that not as a deterrent saying don't go just know that like you're working from a deficit and you just have to accept that You have to accept that people are going to assume you're a dumbass that's going to do dumbass things. And they don't want to be around that guy when they're trying to harvest an animal. You you know what I also see? I see people posting on Facebook groups, uh, hunting groups,
1: especially Montana groups and Montana pages. And they'll say, hey, I live in California. I just drew an elk tag. Got any tips on where to go? (laughs) To hell. To hell. Bear. Be uh, be <laughs> real go. careful about that. Uh, you might want to phrase it in a. Yeah. In a look. You can look for um. You know. Uh, you can say uh, I'm thinking about uh, you know this particular area, and I've got a spot in my, where to stay. Uh, things like that. There are things you can ga- you can gather from those groups and from the comments. You're gonna have to weed through a bunch of stay out. Right. Um. <laughs> don't don't come here, and then you're gonna have to get to the one guy who just says uh, DM me. And that guy might have something for you, Yeah, but be ready for all the other stuff.
0: Definitely do not download any pings offered in the public comments. If somebody gives you, if they give you a longitude and latitude in the public comments as a good place to hunt, it's 100% not a good place to hunt. By the way, if you're listening and you are a Montana hunter, we agree they should mostly stay away. So... (laughs) I understand the appeal. Just I, I wish, I, and I hope that I hope that people understand that I think anybody who uh, cares where they're from recognizes uh, the the pressure from people to find out your your place, your home, is something that they really really like. Mm-hmm. It's the double edged sword of Montana. It always will be it's amazing here it's not going to get any better either if you're of a certain kind of mind if you you know if there are certain things you like same thing with alaska same thing with wyoming if the if solitude is your thing if you like wide open expanses of spaces and a and a habitat that is going to challenge you in every conceivable way this is your jam uh if you like living easy and access to good um restaurants and lots of ample shopping keep driving right you're going to want to keep going until you get to denver or seattle because this just isn't for you, um, and
1: if you're an anti-hunter and don't like hunting, this is not the state for you either. Because no, man, this is a hunting
0: state. We'd like to think that goes without saying. Uh, well, I mean, they're moving on. here too. <laughs> boy, nice. I can't imagine that's anything more than a rental. <laughs> I hope so. That's <laughs> so you're going to find out. Like, no, this just isn't. These aren't my people. Uh, I hope they. Um, They do get the message. Well, and that brings a you know kind of the final point. We'll wrap this thing up. You know, just the uh, as we look forward to this time of year, it really is um, for my money. Fall in Montana is 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 it? It's the mountaintop. It's as it's as good as it gets for the things I love to do. Um, You know, watching football games and cooler weather and hunting and being out in in all of the natural habitat that the state has to offer. This is as good as it gets. And, and it's such a cultural moment uh, with, with kids getting involved and families getting involved. The number of women that I know that hunt is unrivaled compared to anywhere else that I've lived. Um, it's not just tolerated. There are other places that have deer widows. Mm-hmm. Here you have a hunting partner. right? She's going with you um and as statistics will support she's a better shot than you um you know women are women are better marksmen they just are well i hope we get a a, a fall this year i
1: hope it doesn't go from 85 to, to 25 uh, to snow and blizzard last last year it was warm opening day of archery season yeah and by the time uh rifle season got here the opening weekend was an absolute blizzard i mean it was it was just insane how much snow and, and real cold and so it did, the 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 fall was short. I would like to see some, a big run of like 50 degree days and 20 degree mornings. That would be awesome. Yeah.
0: I'd just like to see a big run of animals I have tags for, um, <laughs> preferably within range. Last year, uh, I had three, three bull elk next to one another in bow range, raking on trees and goofing on each other. Two of which were imminently shootable Mm. in a spot where I couldn't shoot bull elk. And I just watched them. I had video of them on my phone. How'd your morning go? Great. You want to watch a nature show? (laughs) I've filmed one. I need David Attenborough to come narrate the thing, and I'm going to sell it to Nat Geo. Well, uh, last year I shot an opening day, uh, opening morning
1: antelope buck, and that was a great start. And then the opening of deer and elk season, I put an arrow through an elk made of mist, and uh, (laughs) that was the end of the season. I didn't fill another tag, and it ended up with a lot of frustration, so... uh, and i didn't i didn't even fill a deer tag last year which is really unusual for me i usually fill my deer tag it's i don't consider it automatic because there's been a few seasons but usually i can count on that so i'm hoping for a better year this year
0: yeah well uh and i hope for uh one for you if you're listening you're a hunter and uh, you've uh stuck through it this is the first episode that we did uh without a guest without anything other than uh just our love for this time of the year uh it is it is absolutely my favorite it's not even close And, uh, you know, good luck to everybody that's going out there. Please, for the love of God, don't be a statistic. Don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt anybody else. Yeah. You got a few weeks, so prepare, prepare, prepare. Yes. Get ready. And if you're coming in from out of state, do so with your hat in hand. Uh, Nobody (laughs) wants to hear about how it is where you live. Yeah. Trust me on this. You're going to make more friends if you just ask general questions and you don't let anybody know where you're from unless they absolutely ask, yeah, uh, it's not necessary for you to vomit up what part of LA County you're from. You don't have to. Oh. You're not under. If you're from King County in Washington, that's fine. No one cares. <laughs> let it go. <laughs>
1: I especially don't you, care,
0: you know. Don't you don't have to tip it off either with your real tree camo Seahawks hat. Leave it at home. Uh, get something in with neutral logos on it. You'll be fine, and hopefully, you'll catch some uh, some good advice from one of the locals and be able to go out there and successfully harvest an animal as we both hope to do. Well, uh,
1: perhaps several times. And after the season, maybe we'll
0: we'll let you uh, let you know how that went. I hope it's good. I'll tell you what, you'll know if it went badly because we won't do that show. (laughs) (laughs) If we're both eating tag soup come November, you'll know because we'll just take a month off of the stupid podcast because we'll both be grumbling. Tag soup sucks. Uh, At any rate, uh, rate, review, and subscribe to this thing wherever it is that you found it. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, We'll be back with a guest next week.